back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here with the Fantasy Phenom, my guy, cranking out the free agency content. Now into these rookies. Let's go. Alex Lott, say what's up, man. Man, I'm hyped. I mean, you probably clicked on this video, so you know what it is. It's round two of our Superflex Rookie Mock Draft. We already did round one on our channel. Be sure you check that out if you haven't already done so. That is where we are getting picks one through 12 on the board here. Uh, again, it is Superflex Rookie Mock Draft here, PPR. So that's kind of like the lay of the land with, with where this mock draft is coming from. And Steph, there are still some absolute steals here in round two. Some of the names I'm seeing available on the board, I know would be late first rounders, if not mid first rounders most other years. So there's a talented 100%. draft class here in 2021. It's gonna be super fun to break down some of these names. I'm with you, man. So what we're gonna do guys is go just pick by pick, player by player. We're not gonna look at roster construction. We're gonna look at best available player on the board. And Alex, I blessed you on the first round with the 101. And because I'm such a saint, I'm such a nice guy. Thank you. I'm gonna let you have the 201. Take it away who you got. We've been diving into these players more than you guys know over the last week or so. These second round guys especially are where it starts to get deep. And Steph and I have been grinding some of these guys that we weren't as familiar with. But one that we are familiar with is Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. And it's where I'm going here at the 201. It's honestly a it, – it, it's criminal that he made it out of the first round. So this is a steal, in my opinion, at the 201. 5'10", 182 pounds. 22.3 years old, but Jalen Waddle's game is built on speed. And I know oftentimes we get burned, no pun intended, by some of these speed guys. Think about John Ross, Henry Ruggs, back in the day, Darius Hayward Bay. Guys that are built on speed but just turn out to be bust. Tyree Kill is one where we saw the speed at the combine at the college level, and he was able to develop some of his route running and other things along with the speed to the NFL level, obviously getting Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback helps as well. But Tyreek has shaped his game up really nicely, and I think Jalen Waddell is much closer to a Tyreek Hill type of player than he is to a John Ross, than he is to a Henry Ruggs, although I still think we could see more from Ruggs this season. But Waddle got it done at Alabama, missed a big chunk of 2020 with an ankle injury. But in 2020, 28 receptions, 591 yards, and four touchdowns in just six games. That's 21.1 yards per catch. Sheesh. Fantastic yards per catch there with Mac Jones at quarterback. Yes, Waddle has a late breakout age for all you analytics people out there. But it's more about the talent around him than it was about his own talent. I mean, on that depth chart at Alabama, he was playing with Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith. So, I mean, they were four deep at the wide receiver spot. And when Waddle did get opportunity at Alabama, he made the most of it. And 126 targets in his career there, 84% career catch rate, just phenomenal efficiency. He's a special teams player as well, has made plays on special teams at Alabama through his collegiate career. So Waddle here, top of the second round, the talent is there, the speed is there. I think the draft capital is going to be there as well. I do expect him to go mid to early round one in the NFL draft. So just a fantastic home run pick here to start out the second round. It really does feel like there's potentially 15 players that we could try to fit into yeah. our top 10 or our top 12. Jalen Waddle there is a steal. Another guy that I think is a steal as my pick at the 202. I'm taking Rondell Moore. I love it. Man, this guy 
is the human muscle. At 5'9", 180, Rondo Moore may be a little bit landing spot dependent, but I think he has the highest upside of any prospect in this mm-hmm. draft at any position because after just turning 18, Rondo Moore legitimately looked like a generational talent as a freshman in college at Purdue. And I do not say that lightly. He was commanding a 30% target share on day one. Sheesh. Averaged over 11 targets per game as a college freshman. 11 targets per game is like 2019 Michael Thomas level of targets. He has a ton of fantasy value with yards after the catch. He's a small, powerful, explosive receiver. He's like a mini A.J. Brown. And the size is a concern, right? The the height there at 5'9", that is a concern. He's not going to play you know, the Julio Jones role on a team. But size is a concern for a lot of the prospects in this class. And the speed is there. I mean, this kid ran at Rondell mm-hmm. Moore, ran a 4-3 at age 17. Ran a verified 4-3-3 in high school. And in his most recent pro day, an unofficial 4-2-9 40-yard dash. Jumped 42.5 inches on the vertical jump hyper explosive insane athlete even if we adjust for a combine environment add 0.05 to 0.08 based on the studies that have been done that's still a phenomenal 40 time the only place i could see rondell moore not producing is is on a team that doesn't have an accurate quarterback or a quarterback that can't throw the ball underneath or a team where he would be redundant, where there's already a LaVisca Chanel, Debo Samuel, Curtis Samuel, a guy who can take, carries out of the backfield, can be used all over the field as an explosive weapon. That's the kind of player Ron Moore is. If he's on a team, even with just high pass volume, I could see his value going up into the back of the first round. Ron Moore, easy smash here at the 202. I love it, Steph. And imagine picking from the two slot in a 12-team league, going with a guy like Najee in round one, going with Rondell Moore at receiver in round two. And hopefully if you are rebuilding, you were able to pick up an additional first in the super flex league and you get one of those quarterbacks that are likely to go in the first round. There is so much value in this draft to be had. And Jalen Waddle and Rondell Moore coming after 201 and 202 just shows you how much value you can get at the wide receiver spot in 2021. And there's a lot more wide receivers we're going to talk about. I love the pick there. Rondell Moore could jump into the first round in these super flex drafts if he gets the draft capital landing spot that we want but at 203 i'm going to take a running back first running back off the board here in round two it's kenny gainwell out of memphis truly one of the most dynamic players in this draft that can get it done on the ground and through the air he's 5'8 weighed in at 201 pounds at his pro day very very important weight steph actually did a video if you haven't seen it on our channel about just how important that 200-pound threshold is for running backs. So for Gainwell, weighing in at 201 shows us that he does have the size that it's going to take to get it done at the NFL level, or at least based on historical data, increases his odds of having really, really productive seasons. So at 22 years old, he opted out of the 2020 college season. But in 2019, he outproduced Antonio Gibson at Memphis. He had 231 carries, 1,459 yards. That's 6.3 yards per carry on the ground, also 51 receptions for 610 yards through the air. So Kenny Gainwell, man, on the ground, through the air, I see him stepping into almost like a Naheem Hines type of role right off the bat. 
Uh, he's got 4-4 speed. He could easily be drafted into that type of role, kind of like a thunder and lightning situation. But I think he has Austin Eckler level of upside in the NFL. No, he might not ever be a workhorse back, but we're seeing what Austin Eckler has done in a primary receiving role in the NFL. Gainwell could have a similar path if he can find a team that loves throwing to the running back and he can start to get 150 carries to 200 carries on the ground as well. So Gainwell has the baseline, in my opinion, to be a Naheem Hines type of guy, but the upside of an Austin Eckler, an upside of a guy, especially in PPR leagues, that is an RB1 year in and year out. That way in over 200 was a big deal. And I, and I said on that on that video before the pro even happened, I was like, if he weighs in over 200, he's going to move up to the top yeah. running back in this tier. Because under 200 pounds, there's really not a lot to like there. There's only been nine occasions over a possible 120 where a sub 200 pound running back has finished top 24 in PPR leagues over the last five years. And I tweeted this out and I listed all the players. So follow us on Twitter at Double Move Sport. If you want to see this type of content all the time, we're always posting stuff on here. But the only players that have done this have been your boy Naheem Hines, that you just mentioned, did it in 2020. JD McKissick did it in 2020. And then we're looking mm-hmm. at James White and Philip Lindsay in 2019, Tariq Cohen, James White and Philip Lindsay in 2018. And then 2017, we have Deion Lewis, 2016, Darren Sproles. So there's just not that many guys under 200 pounds that can produce at a high level for our purposes in fantasy football. So to see Kenny Gainwell at 201 pounds, that's Austin Eckler. Christian McCaffrey's 202. That size is, is a huge benchmark that he needed to hit, and he did. So shout out to Kenny Gainwell there. Steph, how much, how much pasta do you think he ate the night before that weigh-in? I think he ate a ton of pasta and pounded a gallon of water before he stepped on that scale. And it didn't even affect his speed. This kid's so electric. It it didn't even matter. At the 204, I'm on the board. You just took a running back at the 203. I'm going to go running back again because I want to smash on Jamar Jefferson at this spot in the draft. Jamar Jefferson, for those who don't know, he is a all-around skill set type of running back he fits the three down prototype at the pro level he he came in at 510 217 that's the exact same combine measurables as cam Akers. and based on his tape he looks extremely fast he should be a 4-4 guy and for jamar jefferson it's it's a very similar story to rondale moore where had this huge breakout season as a freshman and then sophomore year jefferson dealt with an angle in, ankle injury Junior year had the shortened Pac-12 season for Oregon State. But in six games in 2020, Jermar Jefferson was on pace for video game numbers. Paced out for a full season, he would have had 266 carries, 1,718 yards, 18 receptions, and 14 total touchdowns. He was getting fed every game, commanding volume on the ground, commanding volume through the air. And for Jermar Jefferson... He was responsible for 35% of his offense's production. Teams knew that that Oregon State was just going to pound the rock with Jamar Jefferson, and they could not stop him. Was hyper-efficient, mm-hmm. 6.5 yards per attempt, which is phenomenal. And if Jefferson gets the draft capital, that's the only question left for me on Jamar Jefferson. If he gets the draft capital, he's going to shoot up draft boards. He's the clear RB4 to me in this class. And I don't think he's getting the hype because... He plays in the Pac-12. You know, you got the the Eastern time zone. Guys like you that go to bed at 9 p.m., Alex. Man, I'm in REM sleep by the time Pac-12 games are at halftime. So (laughs) 
It's fair. Easy pick right here, Jermar Jefferson, and the running back position dries up quick. So I feel good taking him there. Yeah, I like the pick, Steph. And we're going to keep this running back run going Ooh. at the 205. I'm going to go with Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State. Wow. Ironically, a school that I often get confused with Oregon State because they almost sound the same. The colors are the same. But I think we got it right here. Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State. And with this guy, it's like what a fall from grace. At one time was the RB1 in this class. Six foot, 208, really good size for a running back. He's 21.8 years old. And the reason he had so much hype as that potential RB1 in this class was because of his 2019 season. You mentioned with Jermar Jefferson, the video game-like numbers he could have put up. Well, Chuba Hubbard actually did it for a full season. Listen to this. In 2019, 328 carries for 2,094 yards and 21 total touchdowns. Absolutely ridiculous. His stats in 2020, the production just was not at the level that we saw out of him in 2019, but he's still talented. I mean, he's a former track runner. He's got good enough speed, obviously, to get it done at the NFL level. But with Chuba Hubbard, it kind of reminds me of like a like a Ronald Jones situation. There's just some red flags, and it's like how prevalent are those red flags going to be with Rojo? It's the pass protection. It's the receiving ability and receiving production. And Rojo has been very successful in his NFL career on the ground, but we've started to see some of those red flags really inhibit his upside with a guy like Chuba Hubbard. I think it's very similar. The pass protection has been called into question. The receiving production has not been there. I need to really grind the tape on the the receptions that he had and the routes that he ran to see if it was just a matter of not throwing to the running back or if he's actually a liability in the passing game. So I do owe some homework there, but he also has a little bit of an injury history. So there are red flags with Chuba that could cause him to fall in, in the super flex drafts and in the NFL draft. But I still think he could give production as a rookie. There's plenty of teams that could use an RB2, you know, think about or, or an RB2 or quite frankly, a guy to split the work in the backfield Steelers, Jets, Cardinals, a few teams that come to mind. Also the Denver Broncos staff, a team we have talked about loving yes. for Chuba Hubbard, just because there's a Philip Lindsay type speed role that doesn't get a ton of receiving work that could be available there in Denver with Melvin Gordon as really the only guy left in town. I know Royce Freeman and Mike Boone are there, but they could Yeesh. use maybe a day two rookie. So if he gets decent draft capital, if he does go as a day two pick and he can get a good landing spot, I think Chuba Hubbard could be wheels up we will see what happens in the nfl draft but here at the 205 i feel really really good about it yeah all, all the guys in this range start to become more and more landing spot dependent because mm-hmm. there's less proven production and less that we've seen from a measurables perspective but with chuba hubbard love the fact that he's an olympic sprinter from canada you talk about those video game numbers i i see chuba hubbard as the poor man's travis Etienne. All right, so if you look just one round earlier, if you can't get Travis Etienne at the 104, settle for Chuba Hubbard in you know the early to mid second round because he is a, an explosive home run hitter, has the receiving chops, but it's not really his primary skill set. My takeaway, he was a Philip Lindsay plus, a slightly bigger but yeah. explosive runner, Philip Lindsay. And that's a guy we've seen Philip Lindsay, even though he's not really getting a second contract, didn't have a ton of draft capital. Didn't get a ton of work, but he did have a thousand yard rushing season in the NFL. And that's what Chuba Hubbard has going for him as well. Anything else is just gravy at that point. But now at the 206, this is a tough one for me. It's it's between two players. And I know if I don't get one, you're going to take the other. It's really tough, but I am going to go (laughs) 
with Terrace Marshall because Terrace Marshall could just be the second coming of Justin Jefferson. Now, not not to make the comp or say that Terrace Marshall is going to have the record for most receiving yards as a rookie wide receiver, but what I'm saying is it's a guy, LSU, who played predominantly in the slot, didn't have anything insane on his resume. It's not like he's six foot four. It's not like he's going to run a four, three, but he's just a solid, consistent receiver broke out early and he carved a target share while competing with Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase in his second year in college had an 11% target share against those guys with Joe Burrow dishing the rock. And then once Jefferson and Chase left. I mean, look at where Jamar Chase is on this board. We know how good Justin Jefferson is. Hmm. This year competing with Kayshawn Butte, who's also going to be a guy that you're going to hear a lot over the next couple of years, was able to command a 16.6% target share. So slid into the alpha role right away. This is a guy that's been really driving up my draft boards. His tape is great. He's been highly touted as a prospect coming into college. And then balled out before he opted out the back half of the season because he knew he had done enough to get the draft capital. He's projected to be a day one or two pick coming up here in a few weeks in April. And in a full season without Joe Burrow, Terrace Marshall was on pace for 89 receptions, 1,357 receiving yards, and 18 touchdowns. Jeez. At 6'3", 200 pounds, he is a jack-of-all-trades type of receiver. I think he can make it in the league in the slot or running out wide. He's produced in a crowd of pro talent, broke out just a few months after turning 19. I'm taking this shot on Terrace Marshall in the mid-second round. I like it, Steph. Terrace Marshall, fantastic. There's a lot of landing spots that would be incredibly fun for him. But I'm glad you left me with the other wide receiver you were thinking because you know it's my guy. It's Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, a guy I have been rising on day in and day out it seems like i can't get enough of this guy and i'm going to be reaching on him in a ton of these super flex drafts steph i know you love him as well you know i think maybe that hype train is like reciprocating between the two of us because it's like (laughs) who can hype this guy up more five nine one eighty five so a little bit undersized 20.9 years old but when i watch this guy on tape i see antonio brown he's undersized but he is an absolute force with his speed, with his elusiveness, with just like his field IQ. He just looks so fluid when he's on the field, making guys miss after the catch as well. We talked about that speed on his pro day, four, three, four, unofficial 40 yard dash time. So even if you do add that 0.05 that you mentioned earlier, he's still in that four, four to, you know, sub four, four range. So absolutely blazing speed. And we talk about projecting these guys full seasons in the video game numbers. We've, We've done it with several guys here in round two. Listen to this stat line for Elijah Moore in 2020 at Ole Miss. 86 receptions, 1,193 yards, and eight touchdowns, but that was just in eight games. (laughs) Give him 12, give him 13, give him 14 games, and this stat line would have been absolutely new. He would have been at 2,000 receiving yards. (laughs) He could have pushed like 140 receptions and 2,000 yards, no lie. So Elijah Moore, man, at 5'9", 185, I know the size is a concern, but I'm a believer And where are we, the 207 in this draft? I think I might be tempted to reach on him even earlier than this. 
uh, by a couple spots. And he might continue to rise up my board because I think there are plenty of teams out there that could use a guy like Moore. He is probably slot dependent at this point, operates predominantly out of that slot receiver role. So he is going to need to go to a team that's going to feature him there. We'll see if he can start to develop some of that outside receiver game like we saw Antonio Brown do as he developed in his career, being more versatile on the field for his offense. But even right off the bat, if Elijah Moore can go to a good landing spot with good draft capital, it's going to be to the moon with this guy because I, I'm telling you, Steph, he relegated, this guy is going to impress. He's going to impress. He relegated DK Metcalf, a lot of people's dynasty wide receiver one. Relegated DK Metcalf to a 9.5% target share as a true freshman after DK had broken out the year prior and had a 17% target share. So on day one, in a crowded receiver room at Ole Miss with A.J. Brown as the clear alpha, Elijah Moore entered the picture. He was a slot monster. He was always open, great after the catch. And then once A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf left, Elijah Moore took over as the clear alpha from the slot, a 35% target share in 2019 as a true sophomore. Ridiculous. Like, that's insane. And he had the lowest drop rate among all SEC wide receivers. So he has great hands. I think Elijah Moore is a guy that PPR players are going to love because he's going to get peppered with yes. targets. He broke out early, still an early declare. And I know with the, the size thing, that, that really doesn't impact my evaluation of Elijah Moore at all because with the level of production, the competition he was in, the super high dominator – he was able to carry a massive receiving workload for Ole Miss. And I love her slot receivers, man. That's what a lot of this class is. We don't have the Julio mm -hmm. Jones, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf type of names. I'd say the closest we have to that from, from names that have already gone off the board are Rashad Bateman and Terrace Marshall. And then after that, it's Tamari on Terry, Seth Williams, Nico Collins. We're in the middle of the second round. And there's only a few guys with consistently above average production over six foot. It's a very undersized draft class, but I don't think that's a bad thing at all because we could look at the names like Tyler Boyd, C.D. Lamb, Juju Smith-Schuster, guys with the landing spot really doesn't matter as long as they can play the slot and have an above-average quarterback who can get them to ball. So, yes, this Elijah Moore hype train cannot be stopped, and I'm kind of sad that I didn't take him over Terrace Marshall because now you get to take him. But I'm, I'm going here at the 208. It's pretty easy. If I can't get any of the names you've already taken, then it's Tylen Wallace. And this for me could is a toss-up between really two guys, Tylen Wallace and Amon Ross St. Brown. Very similar players. But I'm going with Tylen Wallace because he's shown that he can carry an offense and he's done it for one year longer. That, that's the only difference. He's not the biggest specimen. Tylen Wallace is six foot one. Just a very solid receiver with immense speed who can create separation. Great at high pointing the ball deep downfield, ran a 4-3-9 at his pro day. If we adjust to something like it, it's a 4-4-6 in a combine environment, that to me is Tyler Lockett. That That's my comfort Tyler Wallace, the type of player that he was in, in college and what his play style was, it's Tyler Lockett. And we look at his college career, Tyler Wallace broke out as a 19-year-old sophomore, which you'd love to see, 1,500 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns was on a roll his junior year, on pace for 1,173 yards until he went down with a brutal ACL tear, then came back. Uh, you know, We looked at the wide receiver class last year, didn't think he was going to have a chance to go early in the draft, came back, proved that he was healthy, 
And in 10 games in 2020, he was on a roll again, on pace for 1,200 receiving yards. If we take the injuries out, this guy was a 1,000-yard receiver three years in a row since he turned 19 years old. So say what you want about the Big 12. That's just impressive. He was a target magnet. His target share was hovering just below 30% every single year. And let's talk about his dominator for a second. Because, Alex, I know you hate dominator, and, and for good reason, right? It doesn't give us all the context about a player or, or the situation that they're in. And I agree, it's not the end-all, be-all. But for those who don't know, what dominator rating is, it's the percentage of teams receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Tylen Wallace's dominator was 47%. That means he was literally half of the passing game for this team. And that's phenomenal. That's extremely impressive. Teams could not stop Tylen Wallace, no matter who they were playing. And he was able to carry an offense. I like him because I think he can play a lot of different roles for a team. He can play out wide. He can play in the slot. And you're getting a discount on Tylen Wallace because of the ACL injury, which will cause him to be a late declare coming out of college. And he'll go later in the NFL draft. So I'm, I'm taking Tylen Wallace in this back tier here. And I'm not second guessing that at all. Yeah, I like the pick, Steph. A little wide receiver there, or a little wide receiver run there in the middle of round two. But at the 209, I am going to shift it back to the running back spot with a Ooh. guy who, in my opinion, is kind of the the end of this round two tier. You know, I think Kenny Gainwell is at the top of it. Then you got Jermar Jefferson, Chuba Hubbard. And to me, I think you slide Michael Carter from UNC right there in the back as guys that I think can come in and likely have a role right off the bat if they go to the right landings. But obviously, there's going to be outliers. There's going to be your Philip Lindsay's. There's going to be your James Robinson's that are day three picks, undrafted guys that somehow, by a matter of circumstance, by cuts, by injuries or whatever, shoot their way up to opportunity. But Michael Carter, I think, will be drafted into a specific role that a team has in mind in the NFL. He's 5'8", 202, 21.9 years old. And when I think about Michael Carter, I think about a guy who's I want this to to be a compliment, like good, but not great at most facets of the game. You know, he's a good runner. He's a good pass catcher. He has good vision. He has good enough speed, but he's not necessarily going to wow you with all these pop plays at UNC split time with Javante Williams, who we drafted there in round one at UNC. And he actually outproduced him for their last two seasons there together. So I really like Michael Carter just because he's done it in college. Listen to this production in his senior season there at UNC. 156 carries, 1,245 yards. That's eight yards per carry for 11 total touchdowns. Also added 25 receptions on 30 targets through the air. So an incredibly efficient player makes the most of his opportunities. And I know some guys on the board might have more upside, but I think Michael Carter is still a very solid pick here in the, you know, the back, the middle back of round two. So Michael Carter from UNC is the pick. Steph, what do you think of this running back? Do you think this is the last running back of kind of that round two tier? I'd say so. There's a couple guys that I'd probably take early round three, and we'll definitely get into those. If you guys like the video, a like and a sub, always appreciated. It. it lets us know that you guys like what we're doing here with the Rookie Dynasty content. We'll keep it coming out. But yeah, I like the Michael Carter pick. There may be some receivers I'm looking for here, and this is really the part of the draft where it can be very roster dependent on who yeah, you're going to take. Sure. But Carter is easily one of the most slept on running backs in this class. He's done everything he could possibly do for being a guy that is 5'8", 202. 
I mean, just a few months after turning 18, he was running at 5.8 yards per carry on 100 carries in the ACC. And believe it or not, for those of you who get really into the weeds on the data, Michael Carter has the earliest breakout age in this class. Now, I know we don't really value that as much for running backs, but he was seeing over 15%. All of UNC's offensive production, that entire offense as a freshman, second on the depth chart. And then he only got better for three years. He increased his skill set in the passing game, showed out at the senior bowl. I mean, notice where Javante Williams is on this draft board and Michael Carter was even more efficient. So either that tells us UNC's offensive line is absolutely nuts or both Javante Williams and Michael Carter are exceptional running backs. So I'm definitely willing to take my shot on Carter at the back of the second. So at the 210, I'm easily going here. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I prefaced this pick earlier. He's very similar to Tylen Wallace. Tylen Wallace is 5'11", 193. I'm on Ross St. Brown is actually taller and weighs a little bit more, 6'1", 195. And we know this. It's it's the go-to anytime I'm on Ross St. Brown talk comes up. It's that he comes from this family of athletes. His brother, Equinemius St. Brown, plays on the Packers right now. I do think I'm on Ross St. Brown will be better than Equinemius in the NFL because he's done nothing but produce at the college level at USC since he was 19 years old. And it's almost, it's funny when you look at his stat lines because it's it's almost a linear progression. So as a freshman, 60 receptions, 750 yards, again, at just 19 years old, then saw 70 receptions as a sophomore, 80 as a junior, would have easily had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons if the Pac-12 had played a full season in 2020. And the only reason I have Tylen Wallace over Amon Ra is that we've never seen Amon Ra carry an offense on his shoulders because he was playing the 1B to Michael Pittman's 1A at USC. Actually outproduced Michael Pittman as a freshman in 2018. So both Tylen Wallace and Amon Ra St. Brown are as solid as they come in the second round. And I could see a team falling in love with Amon Ross St. Brown and him, if he gets the draft capital, could easily outperform this ADP where we have him here at the back of the second. I like it, Steph. And I'm going to actually keep the wide receiver run going here. I'm going to go with Kadarius Tony out of Florida. This is a upside uh. pick. This is a little bit riskier at this point in the offseason because Tony, man, we just haven't seen quite as long of a track record of production from this guy. But at 5'11", 189, 22.2 years old. I like Tony's skill set and I like how it translates to the NFL at Florida last season, 70 receptions for 984 yards and 10 touchdowns. So good, but not great production at Florida there with Kyle Trask. He had a very late breakout. You know how I feel about breakout age, but that's kind of why we're talking about him here at the back of the second round. We still need to see a little bit more from Tony. And honestly, it might just be that we end up seeing it in his rookie season in the NFL, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And the reason that this is such an upside pick is because we're really going to get answers in the NFL draft at the end of April. Tony in a lot of mainstream media is being projected to go in the first round. And I think if he does get first round draft capital, his ADP in these super flex drafts is going to be much higher than he is here at the 211. If he ends up going on day two or beyond that, I think we could definitely see him fall into round three. Uh, you know, 
and be more of just a, a total flyer. But Kadarius Tony, the word to describe his game is explosive. He's got good acceleration, um, good change of direction, and the ability to pick up yards after the catch. A very versatile player that can get involved deep down the field, on jet sweeps, on screen plays, can play some special teams as well. So I, I like Tony's skill set. I like how it translates to the NFL. Um, but the NFL draft is going to answer a lot of questions for us for Kadarius Tony. But at the back of round two, you're kind of starting to get into dart throw range anyway. And I think Tony's upside is tremendous. So I'm just taking the shot here on a player with the ta- the little bit of talent, bits and pieces here and there that we've seen on the field. I'm hoping it can translate over to the league. With Kyle Pitts being at Florida, it's so weird to understand like how much of Tony's production was Tony and not Kyle Pitts drawing defenders away. Like was was he competing for those targets? Like was there a, a target squeeze there because Pitts was just dominating? It's tough to say. I don't like the senior, you know, the the late declare and then taking until he's 22 years old to yeah. show production. But you're right. I mean, teams love this kid. I'm seeing him in some of these CBS mocks. What do they know that we don't? <laughs> there has to be something here. But at 5'11", 189, you see it's, a, it's an undersized class. But I'm going to keep it going because my next guy is another explosive player, a little bit bigger than Tony, and was better at an early age. Actually did nothing but produce at UNC on that same offense with Michael Carter and Javante Williams. It's Diami Brown. And for those who don't know, Diami Brown broke out huge as a sophomore, then had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, was a touchdown machine at UNC. And being 6'1", 185, he's a very you know skinny receiver. He's like the, the slim reaper when he's out there, but he's this vertical threat, downfield slasher like a John Brown or a Kenny Stills. That's, that's really my comp for him. The one downside which may cause him to fall in the NFL draft is his hands weren't the best. He did have a lot of drops in college, but he's young, he's fast. Hopefully he can bulk up a little bit, and he's an electric wide receiver. I just I hope I have Diami Brown on some of these rosters because he's so exciting to watch. If he weighed in 10 pounds heavier, I'd probably have him a tier higher with Tylen Wallace, maybe even ahead of Tylen Wallace. So that's the only thing I'm worried about that I'm worried about is that size. So a lot could change with Tommy Brown once we have all the pro day numbers. But that's my pick to close out the second round. Alex, any any names you feel like we missed here? I know some people would be hyping up Trey Sermon in the comments, Demorion Terry, anybody else we may have missed. I feel pretty good about it, Steph. I think it's going to be interesting to see where some of the other tight ends go as well. I know Brevin Jordan, Pat Fryermuth have been talked about a decent amount as you know, where is the draft capital going to be? Which one is really going to emerge as the number two tight end in this class uh, behind Kyle Pitts? I don't think they deserve, you know, the second round draft capital as of now, but we'll see landing spot. We'll see situation there. Um, you know, we got our boys Tutu Atwell and Javian Hawkins from Louisville, where we both went to college. So um, they're, you know, they're more of Homer picks and round back of round three, maybe round four, depending on landing spot as well. But I love these round two picks, Steph. I mean, it just shows you how deep this class is. We're mid-round two, late-round two, still picking guys that I think could have a really, really good shot to make an impact in the NFL. So a ton of fun. Um, if you still have the opportunity before the 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 draft pick value goes absolutely bananas, maybe try to acquire some mid-round two picks, some late twos, because if people are thinking about years past, 
the value of these twos and these, you know, the, the mid to late twos, even early threes is kind of dark throw range. But this year there's, there's a lot more talent on the board. Uh, definitely yeah. see if you can start to, to fish out some offers for some round two picks. Picks are huge, man. They're, they're such a, it's great. They're such a value play, a, an arbitrage play in dynasty leagues. If you guys want to learn about the dynasty game, compete against me and Alex in dynasty leagues, talk about trades, whatever it may be, join our Discord channel. We'll put a link to that Heck down yeah. in the comments below. Again, a like and a sub, always appreciated. Thanks for watching. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.